Hi, Amy. Hi, everybody. It's Jason. Just checking in. I'm probably um, drinking some fancy mimosas with my sister down in Florida. Um, hope y'all didn't miss me too much. Um, talking about songs that are sentimental or have like a link to memory in some way, I think of uh, Get Together by the Youngbloods. It's kind of a, a 60s hippie, love everyone, world peace anthem. Um, I can pretty much cry almost every time I hear that song. It's so beautiful. Uh, but anyway, uh, have a good show. Um, I'll be listening. Check you later. See you back in Memphis. Bye-bye. Come on, keep a smile. Smile on your brother. Everybody get together. Try to love one another right now. Let's see it. I love it. Yeah. I love and it. And then maybe, you know, um, if you put an F down here, that would be good, wouldn't it? You should be famous. That's so likable. John fixed it. <laughs> And welcome to Earbuds and Earworms, the podcast about the music less traveled by this co-host, Amy, who is normally here, and... And this is uh, Mike Frizzell. <laughs> who hates music, right? I do hate music. In in fact, uh, this is a really hard sell on me. You, you just... You just promised me a forum where I could spout hatred for right. 30 minutes to an hour, and, and I said, okay, I agreed. <laughs> yeah, and plus, um, what's more fun than having like a music show with someone who hates music? Because, I mean, that's definitely different, right? <laughs> <laughs> How has your week been so far? Uh, pretty awful. I'm sorry. Uh, my wife, Emily, had to leave town. And I went to the airport this morning to pick her up, and I got in a car accident for the second time in three months on the way to to pick her up. So, and it was in her car, which is worse oh. because she loves her car. And of course, I was you know wanted to pick her up in the style <laughs> that 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 she's become accustomed to. So I you know I don't normally don't drive her car, but I did. And um, I was on uh, freeway access road, just about to turn onto the the freeway that goes to the airport. And the truck in front of me, because when you're in Texas, Amy, <laughs> I've never been. It's all trucks <laughs> everywhere. So the truck in front of me came to an abrupt stop in the right lane of this uh, I I-35 access road. Came to an abrupt stop, and I was paying attention, so I was able to come to a stop a few feet behind this truck, but the truck behind me uh, did not come to a stop and uh, slammed into my rear and then propelled me into the truck in front of me. And it wouldn't have been too much damage except he had a uh, tow hitch, which, uh, you know, had sex with uh, the front of uh, Emily's 2014 Passat. So so that had to go into the shop right away. And of course, what a shitty way to come home from a road trip for Emily as I'm texting her from the crash site saying, uh, you need to get a cab because uh, Uber and Lyft can't work the airport here in Austin. Oh, uh, that, that another whole long story. Yeah, well, we have a special <laughs> lane at our little international airport, <laughs> but it's it's, yeah. it's chaos. Also, they Austin, got kicked out of Austin. Yeah, here, I was like, so. they they don't exist in Austin now. I think no, so. they they don't. So she had to get a cab, and she came and met me at the 
crash site and we drove home from there and then turned in the car. So, uh, pretty shitty, uh, start to the weekend. I guess Thursday being the, it's the Friday of the late middle week. (laughs) So it is kind of the like, um, give up part of the week really. It's like Thursday. Um, that's when Memphis starts drinking. So Yeah. yeah. So most, most, Cities worth their salt and college towns worth their salt do start drinking late Wednesday, early Thursday. <laughs> yes, that's really it. And I'm, I know I'm not going to drink tomorrow, so I'm going to drink today anyway. And that's the. What are you drinking over there? Uh, I have Stone. Um, I believe it's an IPA, and it's called uh, Enjoy Before Four Twenty. Ah. So I I'm not sure what the theme is, and I haven't seen the bottle because it came in growler form here. And hopefully, I well, mean, it tastes good. Just keep talking about every week and also your inability to remember passwords and <laughs> you'll have sponsors in no time. I know. I should talk about like my favorite beers and um, who knows. My- I'm so stupid. I can't remember my passwords. <laughs> <laughs> I was, Sponsor me. I was just thinking about that when Zencaster actually memorized my password and I was like, yes, uh-huh. I can only use it on this computer. So um, the theme this week is why are you so into this? And Mike, how did we both come to decide on this? Well, one of the best uh, best episodes slash um, themes that they used early in the Too Beautiful to Live podcast, which is the way we met, mm-hmm. um, we both celebrate the uh, TBTL podcast. And uh, in the early days, they would grab each other's iPods and look at them and and uh, you know sort of poke fun <laughs> at you know different songs that were on each other's iPods. And it's kind of an unfair thing because, you know, because a lot of times you'll download something as a joke or to, you know, because you want to send it to a friend to tease them or whatever. So it's kind of an unfair process, but it was called Defend Yourself iPod Edition where Luke, one of the hosts, or Jen, the other host, would pick a song on the other's iPod and go, what the fuck is this doing on your list? (laughs) Yeah, It's like, why do you have this? (laughs) Yeah, defend this. So we couldn't exactly do that because exchanging all of our music, uh, exchanging all of our music would be costly and cost millions of dollars or lives. And I don't have an iPod. You don't have an iPod. I do have an iPod, but I have no idea if I could even charge it at this point because <laughs> it's sitting in a drawer somewhere because I refuse to sell it for forty dollars <laughs> to someone overseas. So what we did was we went through our own music collections and tried to be. Uh, at least I did try to be as egoless as possible and try to pick some songs that, that, uh, they're not necessarily by our favorite bands or, or maybe they are by our favorite bands or artists, but the, the amount of fervor we bring to our fanship of that song is a little bit out of line. Like there's a story, there has to be a story behind why you like the song so much. So the segment I thought should be called, why are you so into this? <laughs> yep. <laughs> So we gave each other six or seven songs, and then you allowed me to choose three of yours. I chose, uh, you chose three of mine, and and that's where we're at. Why are you so into this? Yep. Ah, so why are you so into Joe Jackson's "Kinda Cute"?
Well, uh, I'm anybody anybody who knows me knows I'm a huge Joe Jackson fan. That's really the only Pandora station I listen to on a regular basis. Um, but Kinda Cute is not even in my top five Joe Jackson songs. The the reason I'm into it, it's a good song. It's a great little pop song. Like a lot of his songs are just kind of throwaway pop. But uh, his first two albums, Look Sharp and I'm the Man, they came out in the late 70s. And it's a great pair of debut albums by any artist of any time. Just a great artist and, and yeah, a really catchy pop song. But the reason this one was memorable for me and the reason that it brings a smile to my face every time goes back to uh, the summer after my last year of junior high. And, and back when back when I was banging, <laughs> um, you, we had junior high, which was 7th through ninth, and then high school was 10 through 12. And after ninth grade in the summer, uh, m- my best friend Todd Grubb and I were – our girlfriends were these other two girls that were best friends and his girlfriend was Angie LeBay and my girlfriend was Karen Zarkowski and they were best friends and they were like the smartest girls in school. And we were just a couple of dummies um, that they had chosen to go out with. But Todd's relationship with Angie was more advanced than mine with Karen. I wasn't into Karen. Karen wasn't into me. We were just kind of, you know, you need to have a girlfriend or boyfriend. And so we hung out, but nothing ever happened. Nothing, nobody, neither one of us ever wanted anything to happen. (laughs) But, uh, Todd and Angie used to make out a little, you know, and I was so into Angie. I was so into this girl. She was so smart and so funny and so cute and fun. Uh, and Todd, my friend, good friend, good dude. We palled around a lot, went to a lot of movies together we reviewed uh, movies for the junior high newspaper. I would always review the sports movies like The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh and give it like five stars because it was about sports. <laughs> so Todd and I are friends and he, you know, Angie seemed to be kind of into him, but they didn't seem to have the greatest relationship. They didn't go out that much. And um, he just was not a great boyfriend. And I'm sure he turned into a great boyfriend down the line. But at that time, he was not. And he was probably not that into her. She wasn't his type. He was like a really reserved guy, didn't like to talk a lot, and she was really outgoing and vivacious or whatever. So uh, I find out, and these girls used to come watch us play basketball in the park, and uh, Karen would leave pretty quickly, and (laughs) Angie would stay. And why Angie would stay to watch Todd play basketball, I have no idea, because he was terrible. Maybe she was was just staying to watch you. I... uh, well, I would come to find later that's true, except Todd's very handsome. <laughs> he was much more handsome than me, so and had great legs as well. So, you know, I might have watched him play basketball even if he sucked at it if I were a girl. <laughs> so we're we're getting along in the summer, it's getting on toward July, and I find out one morning, Todd and I we, we meet in the park and we're about to start playing basketball and Angie's not around and, and I say, Hey, have you seen Angie lately? And he said, Uh yeah, we broke up. You know, and and uh, I had a really hard time containing myself. Uh, so we we played basketball all day, which was what we liked to do that summer. And then by the end, I, I had wound myself down enough to where I could ask the question to Todd. And I said, "Dude, you you mind if I <laughs> you mind if I go for it there?" And Todd was just so laid back; he hadn't it hadn't even occurred to him, you know, that to even bother about the next dude that was gonna be making out with Angie's like yeah man 
do whatever you want. That's, you that know? kind of took some cojones, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all feeling everything out at this point because I'm 15, you know? Yeah. So I don't know how anything works. But I did ask him. And so I went home and I made a mixtape for Angie. Aw, those are so I got, adorable. <laughs> I got on my bike and I wheeled down to her house. She she was down by uh, Lake Sammamish, and I lived on top of the hill in Crossroads. And so I wheeled down to her house, and I knocked on her door, and her mom answered. And her mom really liked me, so that was always good. You know, it's good to have an ally there. So uh, mom let me in, and I I went to Angie's room, knocked on the door, and went in, and I said, uh, "I'm I'm sorry about what happened with Todd." And she got you know she got a little teary eyed. You Aww. know, she was a little emotional about it. Um, I said, I'm really sorry. Um, I made this for you. Uh, I got to go. So, <laughs> you know, that was all I had in me. So I left the tape there and I'm, I pedal back to my house, which takes like seven minutes to get to her house. Cause it's all downhill and like 25 <laughs> minutes to get home to my house. So I puff up the hill. And when I get back to my house, um, the phone's ringing. My dad's not home. Um, I live with my dad my dad's not home. So the phone's ringing. I pick it up. I'm breathing hard, and uh, and it's Angie, and she says, "I thought you'd never get home. Get back here." Aww, it's so sweet. And I and so, but the thing is, that song, which was like I don't know, midway through the mixtape, kind of cute, mm-hmm. was playing when I picked up the phone. Oh, and so to this day, that song means I fucking got a real girlfriend, motherfucker. <laughs> Oh, oh! I just love that it's also via a mixtape. Oh, yeah. that's so yeah. awesome! I used to have an yeah. ex that used to make me mixtapes, and that was probably what I—that's probably why we ended up in a relationship was because of a mixtape, right. right? But a well-timed mixtape yep. just <laughs> destroys. An ill-timed mixtape ruins though i will say that the flip side if if there's a mixtape that's not welcome you will be roundly ridiculed by her and all her friends well i never roundly ridiculed the not well-timed one but i still every once in a while i look through my cd wallet and i'm like oh i remember when someone awkwardly gave me this (laughs) (laughs) and i was like uh yeah so um oh that's an awesome awesome story and so the next song is going to be, um, this is my, this one I yeah, have to let's, defend. <laughs> let's talk about this for a second. Um, your, your first song is one that I actually really like. I really enjoy. Really? For my own reason. Oh. Yeah, for my own reasons. Um, but let's hear you uh, explain why are you so into NSYNC's Bye Bye Bye. When this album came out, it was in 
2000, but the single Bye 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 was released in January. So I was 14 years old, and I was actually having a really rough time because my mother had gotten divorced, and she was trying to get um, custody of us when we were um, 14 from my stepmother. So the whole time this... um, from the release date of Bye 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 to uh, the actual album drop, they would play these, they would just play the songs. Like they would just, every single Sunday morning, like the top 40, they would play like another NSYNC song that was not this single. And that, mm-hmm. that like brought me through like every single terrible weekend because I was, when I was having to go visit my mother during this time, it was mostly she would sit down and, um, go through the custody trial with us. Mm-hmm. And it was like the most terrible experience of my life. But I was really into NSYNC because I was also a 14 year old girl. I'd yeah. been to. It was, that was, uh, that was in, that was part of federal law. At that yes. Point. Like you, you were required. You had to like NSYNC yeah. or Backstreet Boys. You yeah. Know? You had to, you had to line up behind one or the other or both. Right. And she was in this apartment in Germantown and my refuge was this radio and like this song because I didn't have a CD player there or anything. I was just like hanging out and like as terrible as the day would be, I could like put the headphones in and plug into this radio and there'd be like bye bye bye, which it just I just remember that being like my refuge during like this whole terrible part of what I was experiencing in my life then. So it uh, from like March to May of 2000. It was just me playing this song and the Cranberry Zombie, which was an Mm -hmm. old song by that time, too. But I was just like, I don't know, like there was chaos happening all around me. My like we were going to court, it seemed like every single month. And um, my stepmother eventually won custody of us. And the last time I was in that room uh, listening to the songs was um, it was in May of 2000. And I just remember thinking, like, that Tuesday, the album was coming out. And my mom had just told me she never wanted to see me again. And I was just like, mm. this is awesome. <laughs> this is like, there's a new album. And this this whole terrible part of my life is going yeah. to be over with. And, yeah, like, I just remembered this this whole album just was amazing. But that's why, like, no matter what, I will always say, even, like, ridiculous music that people can't defend – Somebody out there, this is their favorite album. And that was it. Like in 2000, this song was just so good for me. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to the indefensible one later when we (laughs) talk about your Chris Gaines selection. (laughs) Oh, I can defend it. (laughs) But I, but I get, I get this one because I mean, not only is the song, you know, like on the nose in title alone. Oh, totally. But uh, it it gives you all the feels from all the right times and places. Yeah. Even before that first relationship, too. Because, you know, instinct's all about relationships. And I never had a mm-hmm. boyfriend at this time. But I was just like, mm-hmm. oh. I just also, you know, Justin Timberlake's from Memphis. So, of course, every girl in West Tennessee thought she would eventually marry oh, him. I didn't know yeah, that. He, well, there's still a chance. Yeah. I mean, I mean he mean. votes here. <laughs> <laughs> Good for him for voting. Yep. That's more than Colin Kaepernick does. Oh. Um, well, that, that song has a special place for me because I used to 
when I was the marketing director for Papa John's in Seattle and Portland, we had all kinds of Mr. Slice uh, pizza costumes, um, <laughs> which would travel all over. And one of the features of those costumes is you can lose yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not unlike Eminem. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and my my friend, this kid who worked for me, Paulo, we would put on the slice costumes and get that song going at whatever, we, wherever we were, like kids dance or, you know, some sporting event or something. And we had a dance, a choreographed dance worked out, you know, right down to the waving bye-bye-bye to everybody. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I, I was uh, I was a large man at that time, <laughs> uh, well over 300 pounds inside the suit, but it didn't matter. You know, you're wearing olives for feet, you're wearing foam hands. And I didn't look any bigger. I was taller, but I didn't look any bigger than Paulo. So it was an even dancing playing field. And we used to really bring the noise oh, and some of the funk. I would never have a lot of, guessed you to be a dancing Mr. Slice to Bye Bye yes. Bye. Oh. I'm actually, I well, I can't anymore. I'm more of a hopper now, <laughs> but I was quite the dancer back in the day. <laughs> so what's your um, what's your next one? All right, my next one, uh, Graham Parker, uh, yet another of the angry young men from the 70s in England, artists that I love. Um, Not angry enough to be punk people, but just slightly angry and musically talented enough to be pop people. So the song actually came out in 1991 uh, by Graham Parker, and it's called uh, Wrapping Paper. Sometimes I feel the kick is gone, it gets mundane. So I team up with the devil and make hell. But I hang on in as long as I know I've got you. As long as I know love's a cure that makes me well. Speak to me, girl. Speak to me, darling. It's um, the song is about um, someone just capturing your heart so much that you just want to pull their skin like wrapping paper around your heart. That's the uh, that's the chorus. Um, it's kind of sweet in a very creepy way. It's <laughs> right, right. Um, we're not even gonna do uh, any death cap for cutie. Um, <laughs> no no but, stalker songs. No stalker songs, but this song, when I heard it in 1991, I was already married. I was married to my first wife, Elisa or Lee, and uh, I remember bringing this song up to her, and and I said, gosh, you know, because we got married in a courthouse, so there was no music, and I was like, you know, if we ever renew our vows, I'd really like to play this song, and she just kind of scoffed at it, because he was more of a, you know, our song, to her, our song was like White Snake. Here I go again on my own, or you know, I mean, she was just she was she was not into the kind of music I was into. Yeah, so I can tell. I was like, well, I'll file it away, you know. And of 
of course, then I royally screwed up and I, you know, took the painkillers and, and robbed banks and all that. And she divorced me to desert her husband. So I had a chance at a second wedding and that was the one with Emily. Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't get a chance to choose the music there either, which Emily would have been happy with this song, I'm sure. It seems like her kind she, of humor, too. <laughs> she, yeah, she's, you know, she's down and she would have been good with it. But but uh, we ended up getting married at a live show, at a live podcast. And part of that was uh, letting them produce the wedding. Yeah. And uh, Jen Andrews, of course, <laughs> uh, producer emeritus of that podcast or that show. You know, she ended up getting The Lonely Forest to perform um, The Time of My Life as our wedding <laughs> song. So what what am I going to do? Say, stop, you know. It is so I have this old, though. I have this old song I want to play. You yeah. Know? So so uh, I guess by the time I get to my fourth or fifth wedding, I'll <laughs> figure out a way to wedge this one in. Oh, that's really sweet. It's a really, like, I loved the sentiment of it, even though it does sound a little bit like skinning a person a little bit you know that some sometimes like i mean every breath you take has been used yeah more or less unironically in plenty of weddings i'm sure (laughs) yes even though the intention the original intention was wow (laughs) this guy yeah (laughs) so your second song Mm -hmm. um this was really interesting to me doris day que sera sera when I was just a little girl, I asked my mother, what will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? Here's what she said to me. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Why are you so into this? Well, um, when my first marriage was falling apart, I started watching a lot of um, old films. And I can't even remember which one of the... uh, I can't even remember the director's name. But they're in Morocco and Doris Day is in it. And I can't believe I'm blinking on this name right now. Sorry. Is it uh, Alfred Hitchcock? Yes, it's Alfred Hitchcock's. Um, yeah. And Doris Day stars in it and she sings K Sera Sera. So I learned about the song from there. But my marriage fell apart and I kind of ran off and then got knocked up. And I knew who I was going to be, who I was with, my child's father. I knew that I was not going to be in a relationship with this person. Like, no mm-hmm. matter what, like, just because you get knocked up doesn't mean you're going to stay together. And so I would sing this song to myself, knowing that, like, everything is going to be okay and it's all going to work out, no matter how stressful everything is. Because, of course, I was, like, very hormonal and I was kind of homeless and I was living in a hotel and then, like, a trailer and just trying to find a place to stay before I had a kid. So I would sing this song constantly to myself just just to say, you know, everything's going to be okay. Whatever's going to happen. It's like a lullaby. Yeah, it is a lullaby. And um, because of that, this is actually a song I sing to my daughter every single night because everything will end up being okay. And, you know, in the six years since 
I've been singing this song. Um, everything really has gone from me almost like living out a, a 96 Dodge Grand Caravan with 300,000 miles on it to now it's so much better. And, um, whenever I sing this, like every single night, it just reminds me that, you know, everything can be hard sometimes. And I, I want to like impress upon my daughter that everything, no matter how scary or hard everything mm -hmm. is that this is, I mean, it's really a great song because she's, you know, it's a very rosy picture, the song. Like the the whole story she's saying is like, you know, when I was just a little girl and her mother's telling her that everything's just going to be what it will be. And mm -hmm. I thought, I don't know, like, I guess that was me just being rosy. <laughs> what strikes me about this song is it's sort of, um, it's the message that religious people want you to take away without the religion. Mm -hmm. And and that is like, um, whatever happens is God's will, but it's not as disempowering as that is. It's, it's like, we can handle this. Yeah. Whatever it is, we got it. We'll get it. Right. Like I'm, I never am one to shift. Um, well, I'm unreligious, but, uh, or non-religious, but, um, yeah, like just knowing that you, it's kind of like you will survive. Or I will survive, mm -hmm. but it's easier for me to sing. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. I mean, my my personal thing is we'll figure it out. Yeah, because I've I'm always with smart people. I always know lots of smart people. So when something baffling comes up or a big bad situation comes up, we'll figure it out. We really will. And and you've come to believe that through singing it and then living right. it, right? And also, it's just an amazing. So, did it strike you as strange as Doors Day right after In Sync? <laughs> <laughs> no, what, no, actually, because um, we all have our own stories. And Doris Day, to me, when I was growing up, even before I saw The Man Who Knew Too Much, which is where she sang this song, um, she was she was very reassuring to me uh, as a young white male because uh, we would see her on TV every day. This beautiful blonde woman. And it would just be like, hey, if you're white, everything's going to be cool. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> wait, what decade was this? This is the 70s. Okay. Late 60s, early 70s. Doris Day had a talk show and, and she was on. She was just really charming and everyone would come on and be really pleasant with her and no one would ever challenge her or, you know, it was just, it was great. It was like, it was like watching Teletubbies, but with sexy people. <laughs> Just really soothing. Oh, that's such an interesting take. <laughs> so, <laughs> the last song you break, uh, you brought is um. Well, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah, Can I'm just make... like laughing about you saying "sexy telly." <laughs> <laughs> All right, the last song I brought um was "Cake" and it's, uh, "Never There." Bird that flies away, a candle's fickle flame. Hey! To think I held you yesterday, your love was just a game. A golden bird that flies away, a candle's fickle flame. Hey! To think I held you yesterday, your love was just a game. Hey! You tell me that you love me so, you tell me that you care, but when I need you, baby, baby. take the time to get to know me. If you want me, why can't you just show me? Always on this roller coaster If you 
just uh, it's it's a really like manic type song. Um, there are a few cake songs that I really like, and and this is my favorite among them. Um, the the thing about this song is it came out at a time uh, I I can't even pinpoint it exactly, but um, probably early '90s, late '80s, early '90s when I was sort of giving up uh, on playing basketball. At least the first time I heard it, I was already out of prison. I'd, I'd kind of given up on, on playing basketball competitively and, you know, I was putting on weight or whatever and I was feeling shitty about myself and I really missed playing basketball. And every time I would hear this song and I would, you know, I, I recorded it off some album or whatever and off some compilation and I would start to play it quite a bit. It just, in my mind, it was the soundtrack to a fast break in basketball. Mm-hmm. And every time I started, I, I would hear the song go, I would imagine myself playing basketball and just seeing everything around me and just knowing everything that was happening and running a fast break. What's a fast break? Um, a fast break is when um, you get, I'll just say for myself, my favorite fast breaks were when I would get the rebound. Someone would, would miss a shot from the other team. I'd get the rebound myself and I would turn around and head up the floor at full speed uh, with ever all my teammates spread out and just with like all these options hmm. as to how to score the basket on the other end. Okay. So just is that what's officially bre- called? Yeah, fast break, just breakneck speed at the other hoop. Okay. And as as a basketball player who really enjoyed that part of the game, <clears throat> that song just really really stuck in my head. Is like this this is the sound of fast break. So. I stopped playing basketball and I started having dreams about playing basketball and all the dreams from then until today, they start all the basketball dreams start with me grabbing the rebound or getting an outlet pass and heading down the court and heading straight down the middle of the lane to either score or pass off for an easy score. And the song's playing. And just as I'm about to make the crucial pass or, or uh, lay the, lay the ball up, it turns into like a pile of rags or toilet paper or um, like some some shirts out of my laundry that just fall apart in my hand. Oh, yeah. So yeah, that's why that song means a lot to me. And I just wished that one day that I could have had that song on my head and actually finished a fast break instead of it turning into some impotent um, bullshit at the end of the. You should at the fast. You should break. just like practice and join like the murder ball team. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you should do yeah uh, work those arm muscles yeah, I, yeah well well you know i hey, <laughs> somebody called a veterinarian because these pythons are sick i mean my <laughs> since i've been in the wheelchair my arms i mean come on are they always sore uh they're sore a lot what's sore more than anything else is my left hamstring which is the hamstring under my good leg mm-hmm. which uh propels me when i'm sweeping and using both hands <laughs> Uh, so that thing's tight as a guitar string that this, the, the, my left hamstring, if it had been in this shape, when, when I was in my early twenties, it would have extended my dunking career from about a year and a half to about three years. Yeah. But unfortunately, no. The last song, Amy, (laughs) I just don't see how you're going to be able to defend. Oh, I can. This one. Chris Gaines. Yep. Lost in you. There's no more. My God said that 
So, yeah, Chris Gaines, Lost in You. Um, so this is probably the most made fun of song and album that Garth Brooks ever put out, which I actually left a voicemail for our favorite podcast, TBTL, about how much I love Chris Gaines, but not because of this amazing recording, but because of my memories associated with it. And this uh, the song actually made it to number five on Billboard. Just saying, there are a lot of other suckers out there for me, or you know, there are a lot of other people. And uh, hey, that chart that charted way higher than anything I brought to the table. <laughs> oh, I think That's Cake sure. did pretty well, but uh, they they never hit number five. Oh, Come on. well, I listened to I knew the Cake song, but this song, okay. um, this was the highest charting of this album that was generally hated by all and has been scrubbed from iTunes and Spotify and you can't hmm. it is really difficult but um so it was it came out in 1999 i think it was the summer and fall of 1999 they were rolling out this strange project from Garth Brooks and so they had this behind the music special to kind of intro this concept that Garth Brooks was trying to be another person who was an Australian rock star or pop rock star and it was a greatest hits collection from Chris Gaines. And so they did the behind the music of this made up character. And it was supposed to be like so, sort of like promo for a movie, which may or may not have ever been in the making that who knows? I can't find anything that actually confirms or denies that it was ever actually in the making. But um, my dad had just had heart surgery, like he'd had a stent put in his heart. And so he was um, hanging out in his recliner, you know, waiting to get better. And um, like we'd just been through this really big scare with him, almost having a heart attack while he was walking somewhere. So it all happened. And my dad loved Garth Brooks. And he just went all in on Chris Gaines. Like he was super excited. Like, Did he do the Chris Gaines juice stuff? <laughs> no, he did not. Not to get those sucked in cheekbones. But um, so he... uh. <laughs> Like, we would just, like, geek out on VH1 and watch this behind the musics, and then we would, like, roll around town with this, like, goofy CD. So mm -hmm. I have such fond memories of that time um, because it was just amazing. Like, my dad just, when he was enthusiastic about something, it was, like, so fun. And to, like, <laughs> kind of be in cohorts with my dad about like something this kind of goofy because normally he was walking down the hallway yelling at me to turn that in sync shit down <laughs> it's like ah they need to go in the incinerator and so but but dad don't you know it's about getting rid of that bitch <laughs> oh he had no love for it none so um at the like i just remember like how much I loved this album. So I, I dust it off occasionally because I still have the CD because I'm a dork like that. And um, when my dad passed away at the end of the year, I like it was, it was just one of those albums that I just listened to. And I know it's like universally hated, but and it's so sincere, like it's too sincere. Like this mm -hmm. song is just so unbearably sincere and sticky and just 
you can tell it went through a lot of focus groups, but not enough to say, hey, you probably shouldn't pretend to be somebody else instead of Garth Brooks. Mm -hmm. So, but um, yeah, like I just love this. It's just, it's kind of a stupid album, but I just love the memories uh, associated with it. So I can always defend it because it just reminds me of like being home in the living room, hanging out with my dad and just being psyched about this like album and this movie that's supposed to come out and like try to talk about why he's trying to do this. Because unfortunately, we were completely and totally unironic in our love of it because it was just it was you know, Garth Brooks to my dad. And then he kind of like respected this kind of alter ego thing. So I love it. Is it, is it sufficiently defended? Oh, what am, what am I going to do? Say, <laughs> try to cheapen your memories with your dad. I mean, what, you know, that's a diffuser right there. I, all I can say, the only snark I can really bring is Chris Gaines looks like Anthony Kiedis <laughs> with some sort of Morrissey mope wig. Oh, that wig is awful. And like the sucking in of the cheeks. I don't know if Garth Brooks actually lost weight to be Chris Gaines, but they did a lot of Photoshop for that <laughs> album. There was a lot of sucking in and stuff. And of course, now, I mean, I don't even know if Garth Brooks acknowledges this even happened. <laughs> yeah, the, no, I think it's like I've heard him on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me and some other interviews, and he just... They don't really want to talk about it. I bet it's it in the writer. His writer. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, let's not bring up Chris Gaines. Yeah. No, I think if I ever get to meet Garth Brooks, I'm going to like shove that CD in his hands. Like, can you sign this for me? I love it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there are plenty of people like you that, that are totally into that. And I'm not, it probably isn't any worse music than regular uh, Garth Brooks music. I mean, his <laughs> earnestness uh, is actually a selling point because. Like he's one of the founders of like new country or whatever, and yeah, as a nineties um, kid, that's the country I knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I worked at a station that was new country and ascended to the top, you know, just because this was the stuff that was getting popular. And he was probably more earnest than the rest. I think he was I mean, very genuine it, with everything. That's yeah. what I think. That's why yeah. he became so popular. It's not like um Billy Ray Cyrus's sort of brand of country that didn't really feel right right because like like uh emily loves country music and she loves a lot of really fucking authentic shit and even she has a soft spot for garth brooks and to the point where she was trying to hunt down his collection because i'm he keeps it tight and it was like only on sale at target or something Mm -hmm. and i kept having to talk her out of buying the why because you're cheap well of course (laughs) yes that makes me concerned. <laughs> and then I would also have to listen to a lot of Garth Brooks. What's wrong with that? that? She bought. <laughs> uh, that's where I'm drawing the line. I don't know. I'll, you I'll, did just. I'll, I'll give you. Car, I'll grant you your defense. Her car did just but, get wrecked. I'm just saying. You should let her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wrecked her car, so yeah, I guess I have to. Yeah, that's a that's a good present, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, um, we do have a couple of uh things. We have feedback, actually. We have a voicemail from Chris in Tennessee. Hello, this is Chris in Tennessee. I was going to tell you guys that I just got done running a half marathon where I forgot my earbuds, so I had to run and listen to zero music. But luckily, there's a lot of local bands and musicians and uh, DJs playing music every so often. But before I did run, when I got there on my way, 
On the way to the half marathon, I did listen to your latest show and got to the part where you guys talk about Dolly Parton, and I think, yes, I would vote for her, no matter if she ran for mayor, governor, or whatever the heck she wanted to. Um, but I'm going to finish listening to the rest of your all show as I drive back to my house, and I will talk to you guys later. Bye. And what I got to say about Chris's uh, voicemail... We listen to the same podcast, Chris, and I know that you left a voicemail for I Doubt It with Dollamore, and you said that you were listening to them for three hours, and how'd you do that without your earbuds? Just saying. Were you able to pinpoint his near exact location from his Tennessee accent alone? <laughs> no, I know that he's from Tennessee, because <laughs> he's always Chris from Tennessee. Like, but oh no, but we can you. I know he was not from West Tennessee. <laughs> can can y'all uh identify people to within like 30 miles of their Tennessee location? I wish we could, <laughs> I wish that was a superpower we could do. Yeah, I uh, I sound like a northerner for most uh Tennesseans, actually. They call that Yankee or just northern? Actually, you're not from here, are you? That's mostly it, or where are you from? <laughs> But, I like that O. I like the whatever that accent is over the O. Where are you from? <laughs> that's probably, that's just, that's what everybody sounds like. <laughs> oh, you're making me laugh. Um, we also, uh, we also received an email from Jeff, but, um, we're kind of running long on time if y'all guys can't tell. Um, but he did want us. Amy, every goddamn show that I get involved with friends. <laughs> Run. Super long, because I can't shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, I like your stories. I like story time with Mike. Um, but he did He did want to um, say that his song that he has a story for is Adele's Don't You Remember? And because this is the email we got with a song request, it's going at the mm-hmm. end of the show. So Adele's Don't You Remember will be the last song, which is exciting. Great email, great song. Yeah, it was a great yeah. song, great story. It's just um, kind of long. <laughs> And that's that's Mike's fault. Blame Mike. Hashtag blame Mike. And um, so where can people complain to you this week? <laughs> you can complain to me uh, other at my Facebook page, Mike Frizzell, F-R-I-Z-Z-E-L-L, or my Twitter account at Drew McFrizz, D-R-E-W-M-C-F-R-I-Z-Z. I always love your uh, your bio. It's like... um. Stopping crime by quitting crime in October 1993. <laughs> right. Uh, what is it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just helping helping solve crimes by retiring from crime. Yes. I, I, that always makes me happy. Whenever I want to like rewrite my bio, I was like, oh, but I can't hit that. And you can reach <laughs> me at Madam Woolite on Twitter. And uh, I guess if you want to tweet at um, Jason, ask him how his trip meeting his sister is. Um, he's at the JV Guarantee. And our show is at E&E Pod. Now, do you know where to find us on Facebook, Mike? At Earbuds and Earworms? Yeah, at Earbuds and Earworms Podcast Group. That's where you, that's where you do it. And you can be like Jeff and you can email us at enepod at gmail.com. And of course, it's endpod.com is our show website. It's part of the 10710 network. Are you part of the 10710 network? I'm not sure. Well, I'm not sure what that is. I don't understand. You're part of the 10710 um, network. I, I All I've been told is some loser set some shit up. <laughs> and I'm I unfortunately a part of it, so I have to go along. Well, um, 
You're also one of the co-hosts of Little Red Bandwagon, which is our show, oh. or our sister's show. Oh, that I will brag about. Yes. Little Red Bandwagon is a quality show. I think it's a pretty good one. It's a podcast about a podcast. It's better than the podcast it's about. I can't wait until Monday's show. I know it's going to be magical. Yeah, it will be. If we get a chance to talk about mommy and daddy arguing. And, and taxes. Don't forget taxes. Mm, need to do my taxes. <laughs> you should call your attorney. Or, it was a rough year for us, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, just slightly, right? If you want to talk about your taxes for three minutes max, you're going to need to call 731-400-BUDS or 731-400-2837. Look, I got through all of that stuff all by myself without Jason. I'm kind of proud of myself. Well, you could have had Jason read some of it, and then you would have just had to edit it all over again. No, so. I'm good. I'm good with that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mike, for being on and being, uh, I guess, this week's Jason. It was a lot of fun. And just thinking about Jason makes me hungry for a Jason's Deli sandwich. <laughs> you need the muffaletta. That's what I hear. Oh, yeah. You know what? I have a story about that. Can I tell a quick story <laughs> about that particular sandwich at Jason's Deli? Sure. Go for it. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Um, back when I was in the business of franchising restaurants, uh, my my brother-in-law slash boss was interested in exploring Jason's Deli as a concept that we would bring to the Pacific Northwest. So we were in Las Vegas, and I went out to Jason's Deli with on Maryland Avenue with my niece, Lael, and my brother-in-law, Andy. And I ordered a uh, muffalata, and he had never heard of it, my, my brother-in-law. And he said, he said, oh, well... Don't let anyone else know you're eating muff or whatever. And I and I said, no. I mean, please feel free to, to advertise it to the well, to the world and to the heavens that I'm eating. I'm, I'm eating muff. You are in Vegas. <laughs> and uh, and he he didn't get it. I was like, oh no, no. It's, it, this is a selling point for for the ladies. You know, <laughs> uh, let's not let's not let this be a black mark against us. Wait, was he married? Uh, they were not married, but they were longtime partners, and you know who knows how satisfied she was. I'm starting to doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again, and uh, I guess thank you for I guess uh, giving me the little e to put next to the episode. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You can cut that out. No, I'm not going to. I knew okay. when I was going to record, it was going to be like that. But yeah. thank you so much for coming on. It was a lot of fun. Thank you, Amy.
We're going to bring you our patented segment, Defend Yourself. Hiya! iPod edition, in which Jen and I trade iPods, and America finds out how way better my taste is. <laughs> 